Hello and welcome to Hello from the Offside. This will be week, or I guess episode four or five of the MLS Strictly. I believe it's episode four. Um, in this one, we're going to be covering the first two weeks of MLS play as well as round two or the second leg of round one of the CONCACAF Champions League followed by leg one of round two of the CONCACAF Champions League. So we have a, quite a bit to go over. We're going to keep things pretty crisp i think especially on the Concacaf round two there's really only one game that i think was kind of a shocker in results for prediction wise that might merit more discussion um there's been some weird things in mls uh you know last week minnesota rsl was a little weird and we'll definitely touch on that for sure so i'm just gonna kick it off with uh Concacaf champions league the champions round... we need a theme song for that yeah, insert insert theme song here yeah, I know. I wish Renee was here. He could probably like nail the, it's true. the champions. Just wrapping up, just real quick, I'm just going to run through the scores of the games for round two, uh, or leg two of round one. Atlanta beat Al- Alahuense one to nothing. Portland beat Marathon five to nothing. It was an absolute smashing. I think the big takeaway here is that I need to apologize to Yimmy Chara. Uh, he had a hat trick and <laughs> he's good. He has he's looked good. so good the last couple of games. We're going to touch on some of the Portland stuff, but he's good. I redact me saying I don't think Yimmy Chara was a good DP signing because he is making me eat a lot of crow. He's good. Yeah. So the game I think we'll probably want to talk about the most is the biggest surprise. Toronto FC 2, Lyon 1. Um, meaning Toronto advances. Um, the other game, Philly four, Septice zero, and then the Crew uh, won one to nothing against Real Estelle in a game that probably doesn't need much talking after the beatdown they gave them in round one. Yeah, it's it was um, inconsequential Crew game. I watched it on a plane in beyond dial-up quality. It was really bad. Uh, I wish I hadn't watched it because Aiden Morris. I guess we could mention Aiden Morris. So. Young, yeah, young crew say. player, Aiden Morris, starter in MLS Cup, played really well, played really, really well in the first match against Real Esteli. Yeah, he was promising for sure. He was. He tore his ACL in this match, which is really sad for him because he was, honestly, he was the third starter, uh, was going to push for a starting role, was potentially going to get Artur sold to Europe, <laughs> but he, I, he honestly, tore his ACL. Honestly, I don't, I don't want to be mean to Artur, but... He has looked better than Artur, but he's a lot younger than Artur. Artur's, Artur's also really young. I think Artur's. Is he? Really good. Yeah, Artur's why do I like... Think he's, why do I think he's older? No, I think he's... I don't even think he's 25. I thought he was like 27, 28. So that's my bad to Artur. No, it's fine. Uh, um, yeah, he was born in 96, so he's 25. Oh my God. Yeah, Jesus. he's good. He's really good. Uh, Artur's very good. Yeah, they're both excellent, um, yeah. and I shouldn't use was like he's dead or something. He just tore his ACL, um, and if anything, you know, ACL injuries aren't quite that what they were. No, not at all. Um, surgery's a lot better. Like, we've seen players recover. I'm just not to be a homer, but Jordan Morris came back from an ACL injury and was better after it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that has a lot to do with the player and their mentality, so... Uh, hoping the best for Morris. Um, he's a, with he's that. a central midfielder, uh, like a CDM. So he's not really relying on speed. He is he is quick. He is an athletic player, but an ACL is not going to really change his game much. Yeah, I mean, I think 
from the couple games that I got to watch him, I would say his biggest asset is his vision. Yep, absolutely. Um, he definitely was picking out good passes, seems to see the game well, and, you know, having an ACL injury isn't going to really... Hopefully it shouldn't affect your processing and that kind of Hope stuff. Not. So yeah. um, with that noted, we should also note that the crew uh, recalled from lone um, young Burhalter. They, so. they actually didn't. We all thought oh, they did. Oh, I thought did. they did. I, I thought you told I, me that. I told you that, and then it turned out we were all wrong. Oh, okay. Uh, so Burhalter's still with Austin. Burhalter's still with Austin, but okay. uh, I don't think they could recall him because instead they uh, today just announced that they're picking up uh, Liam Fraser on loan from Toronto. Interesting. Liam Fraser is better than Burhalter. Uh, Burhalter's pretty young, though. Burhalter's so, right? young. And Fraser's young, too. Fraser's like 22. So and Isn't Burhalter like 19? He is, yeah. He's the same age yeah. as Morris. They're the same age. Okay. Same class. They were both freshmen and then left to come to uh, MLS. Okay. But, yeah, I was going to say, he's pretty exceptionally young. I assume this means they either didn't want to recall Burhalter or you know, we're doing someone a favor by bringing Fraser in. So that's why they did it. But I was wrong about that. Yeah. I, I misled you guys and then didn't correct it because I was ashamed. Well, this is what happens when you don't correct me. I just trust your word as a crew insider. Exactly. Um, so that's great. My now bad. I look like an idiot. My bad. <laughs> uh, so just to kind of wrap up round one of the CONCACAF Champions League, uh, we both thought that only three of the five MLS teams would advance. Turns out that all five advanced. Um, I think a factor in this is kind of that Atlanta and uh, Philly, I guess Philly, it didn't matter as much, but Atlanta especially, uh, Alahuense couldn't travel with their full roster Yeah, uh, because of COVID restrictions. That's a good point. Um and I'm not trying to knock Atlanta. I think, you know, we can talk about them more. But I think that definitely aided in them advancing to the next round. Um, and we'll get to them in round two uh, as they lined up with Philadelphia. But um, I think that benefited them. Uh, it might have helped Toronto FC, but I think Lyon was able to bring their full squad. However, that said, I think Lyon is also battling kind of some midseason Liga MX injury issues. Um, so it wasn't technically their full squad is what I'm getting at. Um, but yeah. we were both really low on Toronto and said that they had zero chance. And I got to give it to them. They showed up and played what ended up being a really good game and won. So, I, Yeah, I think it's weird that we've been more or less right about every other uh, series and match Toronto's played in except the Lyon series where they've somehow got a draw in Mexico at, you know, a, a historically popular Mexican side. And then a, a difficult side to play. Exactly. At too. And, like and their and fans were there. Totally. And, and then they got to win at home. They got to win, not even at home. It went in Florida, a, a yeah. straight up win, despite looking really, really, really bad in MLS their first two weeks. They got, they got to win and they looked good against Leon. They looked like they knew what they were doing. They were organized. It might have helped that Josie didn't play in that game. Uh, that might be something we talk about we, later or as the season goes on. But We definitely will talk about that. I have that as a point for one of the MLS games we're going to discuss. Um, not to preview that, but uh, we will have some Josie thoughts, or at least I will. Yeah. Um, but I will say, uh, you know, I think just speaking about Toronto, I've weirdly watched, it feels like, a lot of Toronto games, which is good. We're trying to expand our MLS knowledge. 
Uh, and I have, you know, been really impressed with Shavelberg. Uh-huh. I think he is something Toronto has that's great to kind of pair up with a more senior Michael Bradley. Mm-hmm. I think their like play together has been really good. I think Michael Bradley's probably good for him. Uh, but uh, I won't skip ahead. But the games that I've watched, he you know is has his position, but he is willing to cover the whole field for that team. I have seen him like so far out of position to make defensive plays that I'm just like, why are you on the like right side of the field when you're a left outside mid? Like, what are you doing? And then I'm like, well, you made a play, so I shouldn't complain too much. Um, he's just, he's got a motor and uh, yeah. I think he's going to work hard and be coachable. And so. I, I think that's how this system works. You know, this, this Red Bull, essentially a, a variation yeah. on the Red Bull system, this counter pressing system you need guys who are going to run everywhere and will get caught out of position and will try as hard as they can to get back into the correct position after they do that. And it, it sure seems like Schaffelberg is going to do that for them. Yeah, and I mean, props to him. He seems to really be buying into that system. So mm-hmm. uh, for me, he's been a huge prop, or I guess positive for Toronto. Totally. In what seems like it could be a weird season for Toronto. Uh, you know, early on, I'm just going to say like, I could see them making the playoff. I could see them completely missing it by a lot. Uh, so they're just going to be an interesting team, but both of us kind of wrote them off, and I got to give them props. You know, they played that game in, I guess, a suburb of Atlanta in the Disney complex, but like we mentioned, they're playing mm-hmm. their regular season MLS games at the Orlando City Stadium. So they're, you know, got multiple homes right now. Um I saw recently, I don't know how this is going to affect MLS. Obviously, uh, hockey's going to finish up sooner, but there's still questions about how the NHL playoffs are going to work, if the Canadian teams are going to be able to come into America. Sure. Um, So, you know, that's obviously a lot sooner. I think the NHL playoffs kick off here in May, Mm -hmm. I guess this month, this will air in May. So, um, definitely. Yeah, I won't talk out of school too much, but I do work for a company that has a significant presence in Canada. Uh, and I, I know that they're, you know, they're more or less going back to a pretty heavy lockdown. So I, I feel pretty terrible for all of the families of the Toronto and Vancouver and Montreal players who aren't able to be with their families. So anyone who can't travel, that's terrible. Um, you know, I'm, I'm glad we've got these guys in a place where they're a little bit safer and hopefully they've all been able to get vaccinated, but it doesn't seem like this is going to be a season where they return to their their markets unless the situation changes drastically. Yeah. Um, I would also like to note that Clyde seemed pretty sympathetic in the background as well. So <laughs> good on Clyde. Um, yeah, no, I, I can't imagine how tough that is for yeah. all of these people. I mean, like we mentioned already, it's literally why Thierry Henry quit quit managing Montreal. I mean, it's a difficult situation for everyone. I mean, it's, I I think it's probably a difficult situation, just let alone for, I'm sure there are protocols for teams that are U.S. teams in that they're limited in who they can see and what they can do, you know, to limit their exposure. But this is a whole different level. So yeah, Jonathan Mensah, the cruise captain, Mm-hmm. played the entire last season. He, so he's from Ghana. His wife yep. wasn't able to come to the U.S. She just got in town today. Like oh, literally wow. today, yeah. she was just able to get to the U.S. More than a year later, 
because partially because of the previous president's visa slowdown. Um, but yeah. also there was, a, you know, we're still in the middle of a global pandemic and she was hung up living in Ghana for a year. Mensa was playing his butt off for a year and it's, you know, it's, it's admirable. I think there's a lot of, I, I have a lot more respect for these guys who can, who can live without their families, essentially in isolation for a year at a time. Yeah. Yeah, if you think Zoom office meetings suck, imagine trying to have a Zoom marriage for over a year. Like, <laughs> exactly. Good God. Totally. Um, yeah, so that's definitely a feel-good story, I think, yeah. you know, people need to hear about. So. Yeah. Um, so we'll just kind of keep that brief as this happened almost three weeks ago now, I would say, uh, these games. So we're just going to keep it strictly CONCACAF to start with. Uh, so round two kicked off this week or I guess it'd be last week for most of you, uh, the last week of April. So just running through the scores real quick. Philly uh, beat Atlanta 3 to nothing in Atlanta. Uh, Toronto lost 3-1 uh, to Cruz Azul. I think at home, uh, right? In, in Toronto? I, yeah, in I believe that was in Toronto was the host for that one. Yeah. Uh, and then Columbus drew with Monterey at home and Portland drew with Club America at home. Um, so let's just start at the top. Let's start with Philly v. Atlanta. Um, I think we both have some thoughts on that game. Do you want to kick it off? Sure. I, th- I So we both watched that match. Um, my, my biggest takeaway was that Atlanta was the better team. They really were the better team. Maybe that's a controversial take. They were the better team, and at some point they forgot that this was two legs and that maybe they should pull it back, regroup, not lose their heads, and try to get a goal but play defense. You know, this is what we're going to see from Atlanta in this this Heinze system where they're, you know, playing three at the back and they're pressing. They're going to get stretched. And Philly, while I do think Philly has some problems, Philly was able to stretch them and made their chances count. You know, the the expected goals in this were pretty even, but Atlanta had slightly higher expected goals than Philly. And two of Philly's three goals were more or less tap-ins. Yeah, they were setters. Yeah, which is to say Philly exactly played a perfect game from start to finish, did exactly what they needed to, and Atlanta didn't. Atlanta didn't take advantage of any of their chances. Andre Blake stood on his head. You know, this is this is going to be a season from them without uh, without some key pieces and until they get some new ones in. Yeah, and I think this kind of ties into the preview that uh, we did for Philly and when we said that, you know, for Philly to be successful – they're going to need to find a goal-scoring replacement for Aronson um, and kind of a creative replacement for him as well. Um, I would say Casper has exceeded expectations to start the season in goal-scoring, at least. You know, I had him pegged, you know, all competitions. I thought 15 goals would be a great season for him. He's obviously on pace to get that. I think he has... Four, four goals in all competitions right now. Um, I could be wrong on that, but he had two against Atlanta for sure. He had one in the first leg um, of the Saprissa series, and I think he had another one. So at minimum, he has four goals. Um, he's looked good for them. Um, you know, he is a true number nine. I mean, I don't know how to describe him other than that. He's not, you know, he's not a false nine. Mm-hmm. He is a bigger body. He knows positioning really well, which has benefited him, I think, you know, and that's been great. He's been getting great service, and if that continues, like, 
you know, there is an off chance he's the golden boot winner for this year. Like, it would not shock me. There just aren't a lot of threats on Philadelphia. And, I mean, as long as he doesn't get injured, it, it seems like he could be a golden boot winner just because he's going to score the majority of their goals. Um, I, I think I'm a little more down on Shabilko's talent than you are, but I think I'm probably wrong about this. <laughs> You know, he's six foot four. He's quick. He's good on his feet. He's good with the ball at his feet. And yeah. like you said, he's scored a bunch of goals this year. He's not going to stop scoring. He's just about at uh, a goal every two matches for Philadelphia in his Philly career, which is pretty good. If you can, yeah, if you can do that in MLS, <laughs> if you can do that anywhere, that's good. So, yeah. you know, I think he's going to. He's going to push. He's he's going to get hit reality with with the expected goals at some point. I'm sure oh. his uh his expected goal output is a little bit off off base right now um compared to what he actually has, but, but that'll even out, but I I think he's going to be between 10 and 15 for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of the saying, you know, uh you're you're going to find your level like at some yep. point. Yeah. Um I am a lot higher on him than you are. Yeah. Um I, I I just, I don't know. His positioning, every time I've watched, it seems like he makes the right run at the right time and gets himself in good positioning to score goals, which reminds me of another player who we'll talk about later um, who has been impressive as well. <laughs> um, so I don't know necessarily if your Atlanta take is too hot. If you only watched the first half of that game where it was ended, I think halftime, it was one to nothing. Atlanta had a lot more opportunities. Yeah. They looked more creative. Uh, the problem is in the second half, there were so many breakdowns that the second half Philly looked like the better side and obviously capitalized. I mean, there were stretches. I want to say probably, don't quote me on this, but there was a good stretch probably somewhere around the 55th minute to about the 70th minute where I thought Atlanta was going to score. Mm-hmm. Um, they had a lot of chances and then that led up right before Philly scored their second goal is basically when I thought the game was out of reach and then Philly scored that third goal. Um, and both those last two goals came on really good counterattacks from Philly. Um, and I think the, the takeaway here is that Philly's in a system that's been in place now for six or seven seasons. Atlanta's on their third coach in four seasons. Yep. That makes a difference. Um, you know, whether you want to admit it or not, I think Atlanta probably has a I don't think. I know Atlanta has a plethora of very talented players, but switching systems all the time, switching managers is gonna have an effect. Um, you see it in other leagues in Europe, you know, teams mm-hmm. that kind of have a cyclical managerial change. It's it's just not good for players' mental health and mentality. You know, you're you're being coached to do one thing and a new manager comes in and tells you he wants you to do something else. It's just, it's hard to change on the fly that quickly, even for the best players in the world. I think Heinz is still the right guy for them. I really like what they're doing, but I, sh- I shared this tweet with, with you guys uh, on Saturday last week while we were watching LAFC when, I, I can't remember who said it, I wish I could. They said that LAFC has the same problem that Mexico, or Mexico, excuse me, Spain did in like, 2009 through 2012 where they're playing an entire team full of center midfielders and no striker. So they're going to win games, but they're going to win them like one or two to nothing instead of, you know, putting games away. And that's the same problem that the current iteration of Atlanta has. If Joseph doesn't regain his form. 
Because he certainly has not looked like the Joseph of old. And that's to be expected with uh, an ACL, not an ACL, an Achilles tear. But if he doesn't get better, they've got to figure out another option at striker. Yeah, and just to kind of wrap this game up and kind of wrap up the Atlanta talk so we can keep moving along. um, I would be remiss, you know, uh, it's just Colin and I here tonight. Renee and Davis uh, couldn't make it. They had prior obligations, but we wanted to make sure we got an episode out. Um, They both sent in notes. And uh, while I think both you and I would agree that this is kind of a growing pain year for Atlanta, we don't think they're bad. I agree that the manager's the right hire. Mm -hmm. I think next year they'll be better. Um, Davis is firm in his stance that Atlanta sucks. (laughs) And okay. they're going to get relegated, even though that doesn't exist. So um, I hope he's right. <laughs> yeah. So I, I just want to make sure that that gets in there. Um, and Renee had a note as well about Atlanta. It just says, uh, smash that like and subscribe button. So uh, <laughs> make sure you do that. Um, so we'll keep it rolling. Uh, let's talk about Toronto versus Cruz Azul. Um, I we both watched this game as well. Yeah. Uh, my takeaway is that Toronto's bad and Cruz Azul is probably bad as well. So do you want to go? <laughs> I I remember. Uh, I'm gonna give myself credit for, you know, the the first podcast where we're talking about the Champions League. I was like, ah, Cruz Azul sucks. Who cares about them? And then, to my credit, I said I was wrong. They're good, and they are good. Cruz Azul just beat the pants out of Toronto, who. Looked just looked really bad. All of the problems that we we identified in in our preview, where we said, "How are you going to take this roster and press?" All of that came to bear against Cruz Azul, who probably could have had like five or six goals and gave up one of the weirder goals that they could. And you know, it's this that series is over. Toronto should start a team full of academy players when they go to Cruz Azul. Shouldn't risk anyone, you know, even getting remotely hurt. They Maybe some Academy players over. and Josie. Yeah. They should start over. They should just blow the team up and uh, and move on. I, I, I do think it's not good for Toronto that Pozuelo is still not in their lineup, to my knowledge. That's it's, that their not good. DP? No, Pozuelo's MLS oh, okay. MVP from last year. And the, oh, okay, their DP, yeah, yeah their creative uh, attacker, is uh, yeah. he's not playing. I would, yeah, also worth noting, Toronto did just sign a DP, um, a number 10. So kind of on our theory about MLS being a haven for creative 10s. How many do um, they need? I don't know. I think he's coming in from the uh, Argentine Super League, if I remember correctly. I can't remember his name off the top of my head. He might be from Spain, or not Spain, uh, Brazil, but I might be wrong on that as well. Uh, Hang on. Uh... So his he's coming from Santos. Yeah, Santos, I think, is in Brazil. Yeah, I believe you are correct. I don't know. Maybe he's Argentine. That's where I'm getting confused. But his name is Jefferson Soltado. Um, so he'll be joining the team. Um, so he's Venezuelan. That is, Interesting. Yeah, Venezuelan. And he's coming from Brazil, like we said. So He's listed at 5'2". Yeah, he's a, he's a tiny boy. He's on <laughs> he's the tiny very boy small. team roster. Wow. Um, so... That'll be interesting. Um, I want to keep this one brief because Cruz Azul did just beat the pants off them and yeah. Cruz Azul looked like a much better team. And Renee wants me to point out that Cruz Azul is very, very good. And I would be remiss in my joke 
of saying that they're bad to point out that they're actually on top of Liga MX right now. Um, mm-hmm. I believe this is the Aperture season, correct? Yeah, they have one. Or is this... They have one game left in the regular season on Sat yeah. on like this weekend, and then the Liga starts afterward. I think they're going to be the number one seed. Yeah, they should be. There's no way. Club America is second right now yeah. in that league, and they're five points back. So there's so, literally yeah, no chance. They'll to... clinch the one seed. Yeah. Um, so if I remember correctly, I believe those are the correct standings. Um, yep, you're right. Yeah. Okay. So, so it looks like they've got two left in Monterey. I think Monterey only has one left. Um, and they need a win big time. Yeah. That's another So step. Cruz Azul just kind of beat the crap out of them. The last takeaway I want to have on this is we kind of alluded to this at the beginning. Um, I think Josie's a hindrance for them. In what they're trying to do, I, I, I don't know how to explain it outside of just he doesn't fit the system and he looks out of place. And there were several times the ball came to him in what would have been a counterattacking chance, and he slowed up play too much and cost them. Um, and Cruz Azul's defense was able to quickly reset, or he had a bad touch and lost the ball. Um, this could be that he just because he's coming back from that hamstring injury that he suffered in the first leg of the Leon series, or this could be, you know, he's discontent. He's expressed that in Toronto, or it could just be that he's a bad fit, but, um, I, I don't know. I just, I think they would be better off as him being kind of a super sub would, at this point. Would you accept a trade? Of Josie for Rui Diaz straight up. No, absolutely not. Interesting. I think if I were Seattle, I would accept that. And I think both teams would be better off for it. Absolutely not. No. Okay. I am super biased, though. I love Rui Diaz. He's good. Uh, I think him and Ladero are a perfect match. Um, I don't know. I think... The obvious advantage of bringing in Josie to the Seattle squad and losing Rio Diaz is height. You have someone for them. They like to cross the ball in. You have someone to cross it to who's probably better in the air. I think that's kind of one of Rio Diaz's weaknesses. Um, But for me, I think just the chemistry that the spine of Seattle's kind of building, I think you lose that by mixing it up. Um, But I see your point. Yeah, I think Josie's a better passer and better on the ball. Uh, so he's going to offer more of a sort of false nine option for Seattle when they're playing with five with like this three five two that they've got now that's working for them. When yeah, no, you could just been... put Rui Diaz as the the tip of the spear in a um in this you know fake Red Bull system that Toronto's running where they need to press and he would do well. Yeah, I mean he is super good at running the ball down yeah. and he's always had a knack. I mean, it's one of the things I love about him. On through balls that are contested, he has this knack for getting the first touch and getting it around the defender and putting himself in a position to have a shot. Yeah. Um, That is a skill that, like, you either have or you don't have where you're almost, it's almost guessing or intuition where the defender is going to go. And he has it. I think, you know, it's something obviously... I think you can learn after a lot of time, but like some people are just way better at it, and he's one of the better players I've seen do it. Yeah, um, we're saying the same thing that Josie is. Yeah. Josie's a possession player, not not necessarily. He's not a target forward at all. He's a guy who's going to pass the ball and help you score and then score. While Rui Diaz is a little bit more flexible in both of these systems right now. Yeah, and I think 
for me, just to wrap this small mini side discussion mm-hmm. up, uh, for me, Seattle's never been, not, I shouldn't say never, but their strength is not being a possessing team. Yeah. Their strength agreed. is being a team that creates chaos and going on the break. Yeah. Um, you know, I think <laughs> one of the big advantages the Columbus crew had last year in the MLS Cup is Caleb Porter has played Seattle enough that he knows that Seattle doesn't like to possess. And he was like, we're going to be the counterattacking team and yeah. just he baited Seattle them. up with it. Totally it baited them into possessing and it worked. The absolute right move. Yeah. And we had a side conversation before where you're like, I'm worried. And I was like, you shouldn't be like, I, <laughs> I was like, I don't think Seattle wins this. Like, I think they might be the better team last year, but I didn't trust, you know, I knew I'd seen enough games against Caleb Porter when he was managing Portland to know that he is a tactical wizard. And unfortunately my worst fears played out. So yeah. Uh, let's not relive that anymore. I'm going to cry. I, I, uh, I think the, the TLDR of this whole thing is that uh, Renee is right. Cruz Azul is really good. They're not doing they stink. super good in, in Liga MX. They're going to yeah. at least take the one seed into the, the playoffs there. And they're going to make the semifinals of the Champions League. Yeah. I would also like to point out just not to like rush into anything that's like completely undecided because we're going to get to the next two games. But Cruz Azul wins. They play Philly in the semifinals, correct? I believe they're on the same side. I have, no, the bracket. I have no idea. Hang on, let me look at the... I looked at this earlier today and now I'm doubting myself. Um... Let me double check. I'll just edit this out, it's fine. Uh, no, Cruz Azul plays the winner of Monterey, Columbus. And Oh, wow, yeah. Monterey okay. is beatable. I'll just say that yeah. for now. Yeah, we'll, we're about to touch on that. But They're this beatable. does kind of set up what I was going to say, which is if Cruz Azul gets to the finals and Club America gets to the finals, those are the two most winning winningest clubs of the CONCACAF either Champions Cup, which is what it formerly was, um, which yeah, I know a lot of people say that like MLS has never won the CONCACAF. It's not true. Uh, DC United yeah. won the CONCACAF Champions Cup in like 1998, and then the Galaxy won it in like 2000. Um, no MLS team has won the newest format. Um, so there are two MLS clubs who have won it. Um, but, you know, Club America, Cruz Azul would be a pretty interesting final especially for if that's they, like how it they share a stadium too they both play in the azteca yeah so that'd be kind I think of a weird a weird uh a weird sort of shared stadium game yeah i believe club uh, or club america has won it seven times and cruz azul has won it six i could be wrong on those numbers but sure um so that would be interesting um but we just mentioned monterey I think we've kind of wrapped up. I don't think Toronto has any chance. No, they're done. Um, they're I don't want to talk about it anymore. That was a beatdown. Uh, let's talk about Columbus-Monterey. Mm-hmm. Uh, the game ended in a 2-2 draw in Columbus. Um, I guess um, I'll let you get into way more detail. I think you probably have a lot more thoughts on this game. I think if you're Columbus, you have to be disappointed in a 2-2 draw. I think if it's a 1-1 draw, you're happy. I think a 2-2 draw is a hard thing to overcome yeah. on just aggregate goals. Yeah, you're, you're right. Because at 2-2, two, two, 
you have to score, you have to win or score two goals. And at 1-1, you can essentially get a one goal draw and be fine. It's, it's, you know, you can get one goal in Monterey maybe if things go right, but getting two is going to be really hard. Yeah, it's at altitude, you know, the stadium's beautiful, but it's yeah. obviously a lot higher than what Columbus is at. It's going to be a hostile crowd. Um, you know, I will say my takeaway from that game was it was very chippy. Um, that that was the thing I felt like I noticed the most. So, And the weird no handball call. So if you want to touch on that. Um, yeah, I, I don't... It was chippy. I, I think... I don't think any of it was dirty, to be honest. I think Monterey played a pretty fair game. They committed a lot of fouls, but I don't blame them. They weren't, you know, they didn't get a yellow card. You could take issue with that. Some crew fans have. Some crew fans have been really obnoxious on Twitter taking issue with that. No. And, and I don't necessarily oh, agree. I do think, so there was a there's a yellow card on Zellerayon early in the game. He, he was dribbling the ball took a touch, stepped on a guy's foot while he's dribbling and is given a yellow card for that, which I think has never happened in the history of the entire game of soccer. Uh, but aside from that, sure, you could have given some more yellow cards to to Monterey, but the call that was called back for offsides was super close, but he was offsides. Yeah. And that's it. I, Columbus, was, Columbus played an, a really, really good game and looked like the better team for the entire game. Um to Monterey's credit, they've been struggling generally, so this wasn't out of the ordinary. And they played about 12 total minutes of soccer and got two goals in a draw. So they're going to come out of this and, and feel like, wow, we really played about as badly as we could and we still get a draw, while Columbus is going to say, look how good we were, look at our expected goals compared to them. This is a disappointment. We should have won. Now we have to go down there and either win or score two goals. Yeah. I will say that, like... Touching on the chippy foul thing, I don't think any of it was dirty. I think Monterey committed professional fouls. Yeah, they stopped counterattacks mm-hmm. with fouls to slow it down and did what you know any smart club does. Columbus, any MLS team would do the same thing. I don't think anything of it was dirty. I agree the Zelleron yellow card was absolute, but like I don't know how else to say it. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Columbus was the better team, and it gives me a little bit of hope that they might be able to pull it off in Monterey. I would hope. I don't think it's. I would agree with you if Zellerion wasn't suspended for that match. Oh, yeah, he's out on uh, card accumulation, isn't he? Two yellow cards in four games gets you knocked out, or in yeah. three games, which is ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous rule. There's no appeal mechanism, so he is just straight up done from a really bad call, and it's, you know. I don't think there was any malice in it. Obviously, that you know, that's I'm not going to ever play that game, but it's really frustrating that he couldn't um, appeal that and and be in the next game. It's going to be tough to score uh, two goals, but it might not be tough to score one goal and keep them to none. And bunker, yeah, yeah. Um, I I don't think it's out of the question. Still, I you know, stranger things have happened. Toronto somehow advanced. So yeah, uh, I my my, <laughs> my big takeaway though was that. Columbus made two mistakes and they were punished, but Columbus made two mistakes against one of the best teams in CONCACAF, played better than that team the entire match, and if this was a regular season match that was a draw, I would have felt really good about it, but it wasn't, so it doesn't yeah, feel Yeah, unfortunately, it's terminated. Exactly. Yeah. 
Exactly. Like I said, if this is a 1-1 game, I think you probably feel a lot better about it. Yeah. At 2-2, it's just tough. I think this was one of the better games that MLS team has played this year. Um, Totally, totally biased there. I have a ton of bias for the crew. But I, I think they played well enough to... They played. They absolutely played well enough to get a win. The expected goals say that, but they played well enough. Where had they played that game against any MLS team, I think they would have won. Yeah. All right. Uh, we'll keep it rolling to yep. keep things fast. Uh, the final game was Portland one, Club America one. Um, my takeaway from this game was Portland felt comfortable, kind of sitting back, even though they were the home team. Uh, they got a late equalizer on a penalty. Um, which I think was the right call. Um, it was kind of a weird fracas in the box, um, but you know it was one of those weird things where a player was sliding to block a shot. You know the ball, the shot came in and clearly hit his hands. Um, you know whether I it obviously wasn't intentional of a block, but um, it is what it is. So uh, they tied it up, but uh, Club America also only goal was on. A penalty and I will say that you know if we're just looking at chances created I think it was pretty equal I mean Club America had more possession but they weren't getting anything from it they weren't looking like a threat to score you know there were a couple moments but Portland had a couple moments as well so I thought it was a fairly even match and I think Portland has a really tough test going down, I think Club America is fine with a draw because I think they feel confident that they're going to win at home. I think I disagree a little bit with that. I, if the if the crew match was a 2-2 draw that felt like a crew loss, I think the Portland match was a 1-1 draw that felt like a Portland win. I mean, look at the way they celebrated. Obviously, they're happy for a goal, but they were yeah. ecstatic to get that draw. And, you know, they conquered that game. They, they went out there and showed that they can get in the muck, they can get a really dubious penalty to to get a goal, and they did. It was, you know, props to props to Portland for playing the game and not uh, not rolling over, not being little babies about it. They did exactly what they needed to. Yeah, and like I said, I was wrong. Yumi Chara looked really good in this game. He's good. He made a lot of smart uh, defensive plays. My other weird takeaway from this game, I'm not sure if it was a tactical decision or if it was just how the game was flowing and i apologize to any club america fans who are listening but it looked like portland kept trying to attack on the left hand side and whoever the left back for club america is was absolutely fantastic the entire game uh he made countless like perfect defensive positioning plays stopped a lot of breaks he looked amazing i'm not quite sure uh his name i forget off the top of my head but um, yeah so Really impressed with him. Um, I thought, you know, he stood out to me, which was a little weird since, like I said, they had a lot of the possession. Um, I think it's going to be a tough task for Portland to go to Azteca and win. Um, but again, stranger things have happened. I thought the game, like, this, I think Portland played it right in that they kind of sat back and were trying to counter. They, you know, when they, even when they did have possession, they looked smart in it. Um, Equally as smart as Club America. So crazier things have happened. Um, Obviously, one MLS team is going to advance to the semifinals. Uh, Philly, I think we can probably just pencil in. I don't see Atlanta coming back. No. 
to score three goals. They have to score four to three to get a shootout, four to win. So I, I just don't see that happening. So uh, of the other three teams, do you think any of them advance to the semifinal? I think Portland has a chance. I think they can get a 1-0 win potentially or a 1-1 draw and win in PKs. Columbus, I don't. Columbus's only shot is to win one to nothing, and I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, I'm not for sure, but I I think two MLS clubs for sure move on. I'm not sure who it's going to be. I, uh, I can totally see two, but I I don't think it'll be Toronto. Yeah, I could see two, but they just maybe eat crow. So who Toronto's knows? Toronto's not even going to yeah. show up for that game. We're just I hope that. not. They're going to call ahead. They're going to be like, we don't feel like traveling to Mexico. Can we not? Yeah. <laughs> and Concacaf's going to be like, sure, we don't care. Yeah. All right. Uh, Let's move on to the regular season. So uh, there have been two weeks of regular season play in MLS. Every team except for the crew, I believe, has played two games, correct? Real Salt Lake has only played one. Okay. So uh, those are the only two teams who have only played one game. Everyone else has played two. Uh, So let's just do a quick, you know, I'll do... Uh, the West just top four real quick on the Western Conference are it's Galaxy, Seattle, LAFC, Sporting. Um, top four in the East right now, uh, which is kind of a log jam. Uh, Montreal, Atlanta, New England, New York City. So uh, let's just do real quick. Who, who's been your biggest surprise and who's been your biggest dis- disappointment? Biggest surprise has certainly been the Galaxy overall. Okay. Uh, getting two wins, I think, is always always a big deal when no one else in the league has done that. Um, biggest disappointment, I would say Toronto if I didn't expect them to be bad. So I'm going to say the Red Bulls. All right. Well, this is going to work out perfectly because uh, my biggest surprise right now is New York City. Okay. Um. You know, if you listen to our preseason, uh, we weren't super high on New York City. Um, so being in fourth place right now, they have a win and a loss, um, you know, I think is a better than expected start for them. Um, and so, you know, obviously their win was massive. They crushed Cincinnati 5 to nothing. Every goal um, in that match they scored was off of a set piece. Which is cool. It's crazy. I mean, it, it never happens, but it's, like, good, yeah. that them, it's good probably, to see that their set pieces work. Probably like, a record. Yeah. And then uh, they lost 2-1 to one to DC United um, in their first game. So I think that's been a pretty big surprise for me just because, like, we were pretty low on them. So for them to start out there is great. Um, whereas DC United is kind of in the same position, but on goal differential, obviously, is further down uh, the line. Uh, my biggest disappointment so far has been Minnesota. Um, we have all been really high, or we were all pretty high on Minnesota coming in, um, you know, just kind of based on getting to the Western Conference Finals last year. Uh, they are currently 0-2 and have looked really, really soft in both of those games. Um, Agreed. I don't want to step on my prediction. I think I had them in the playoffs, but I did mention quite a few times that they had a lot of old crew players and there's a reason those players are not on the crew anymore. Yeah. And they let their leading goal scorer or leading playoff goal scorer leave. Exactly. So. I, I do not think Adrian Heath is a good coach. I think he might be a good manager of men, but he is not a good coach of soccer players. 
and it has shown its head so far in this season. And while we're talking about this, um, Davis didn't really give us uh, who's looked good and looked bad outside of he said Atlanta's terrible and they're going to get relegated. (laughs) Um, Renee wanted to point out that he thinks uh, he was really high on Philly while we were less enthused about Philly. Um, And they have looked pretty good so far. They obviously drew with the crew. Um, but then they had a weird loss yes. uh, to Miami. Yes. So I don't know if this is a congestion of games loss or if it's something to expect going forward. But uh, they, they've been weird. They've obviously looked great in CONCACAF. Uh, I would say the crew game was weird. I think both teams were a little sluggish from having played CONCACAF. And it just kind of felt like both teams were fine taking a draw. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I think both teams also looked pretty good. Yeah, I was um, listening to the Allocation Disorder podcast with Paul Tenorio and Sam Stegical, and they sort of said what we're gonna what we're gonna say here. In that, both of them were like, "Have you heard people talk about how great this Philly Crew game was? That was zero zero. We thought it was bad." When I am that person who was like, "Wow, this was a really good zero zero draw," and I think. I think you can watch that game and think, wow, the soccer was pretty good in that, and also see two teams that were sluggish, like you're saying, and looked pretty content to not get an injury and take a draw into the break. Yeah, listen, it's a long season. It was literally their both teams' first MLS game. I think there was a point in that game where both of them were like, eh, we'll yeah. take the draw. Like, we'll pick up points elsewhere. But I will say that that first probably 45 minutes, maybe even up to the 60th minute, honestly, it looked like something that I'm like, ooh, this is going to be tasty if these two meet in the playoff. Yeah. Um, And it got me excited about that, which is a weird thing to say in week one when there's, what, like 30 games in MLS season? 34. (laughs) Yeah. So it's a little weird to be like, oh, this would be an exciting playoff matchup. But if that happens in the playoff, like... There felt like there was real animosity between those two teams. Like, it felt like Philly was like, cool, you won the MLS Cup. We were the best team, you know, last year. We won the Supporter Shield, whatever that means in 2020. But I think they felt like they were slighted, you know, for winning the Supporter Shield. And everyone's been praising Crew for their offseason. Everyone's been praising Crew for what they did. Yeah. And I think Philly's like, hey, what about us? Like, we, we had an incredible season. And so I think there's real animosity on the Philly team towards the crew. And I think, you know, they're going to meet up and those games are going to be interesting. Like, I'm excited to watch more of it. You are 100% correct. There is animosity and it's from both sides. Because the crew see Philly as the team that took their trophy away last year. The crew were leading the Supporters' Shield until they played Philly in, I think it was September. It might have been like, it might have actually been like August they played Philly and Philly took out both Nagby and Zellerion in the same match, and they both missed most of September. And that's when the crew didn't win many games, lost their supporter shield lead that they had, and the crew feel like those were dirty fouls that took out their players. And that's why they came in that with some animosity too. They like like you're saying, Philly absolutely came in and said, We were the better team last year, and the crew said, You guys can't score on us. You've never really scored on us much. We beat you last year. The only way that you got this supporter shield was by taking out our two best players. So we want to we want to win. 
Yeah, and I think, yeah, it showed. Like, that first 60 minutes before both teams are like, eh, let's just take the draw. We got a long season. We're going to see each other again yep. kind of thing. It kind of looked like they both just kind of tipped their hat to each other. We're like, yeah, we know. Like, because yep. it started physical, and I was like, okay, like, I'm excited for this. Like, I yeah, and it's not something you necessarily expect, you know, with the hype of week one games. Um, and, you know, MLS did a thing where they were trying to hype up their games for week one. They tried to have enticing matchups, you know. Mm-hmm. They had the rematch of the Western Conference Finals as, like, a premier game. They also had this game kind of as one of their premier games. And, you know, we're talking about this game. We'll get to Seattle-Minnesota. I think that's another game we both want to talk about from week one. I think both games kind of lived up to the hype in a way. Um, yeah. And honestly, I think Crew was unlucky. I think Crew probably should have won that game one to nothing. That's nothing to take away from Philly. I think Crew looked a little bit better for bigger stretches of that game. It's just, I think Philly was smart. I think Philly was not afraid to be physical. And, you know, I think the crew were coming off of that second leg w- with. Australia was pretty physical, and they had a um, they had a they lost a player to a, a yep. season-ending injury. Yeah, um, but like you're saying, you know, I do I do agree, and that the crew should have won that one to nothing probably. Andre Blake also stood on his head again. He's so good. He's the best goalie in MLS. I think that's without question yeah. at this point. Um, he's looked amazing, and he's fun to watch. That's the yeah. other thing about him. Like he makes all the fun saves he makes all the routine saves he doesn't look weird doing it like (laughs) i'm not trying to pick on portland and i know it probably seems that way as a seattle fan but um as i already predicted i think portland's probably the best team in the west um their goalie on some of these routine saves gives me a dang heart attack as someone who used to play goalie like there was just like a low kind of slow bouncing ball coming in in that club america game not to back up where instead of getting on his knee to pick it up, he just spread his legs wide and bent over to grab it. And I was like, you're about to be on a blooper reel if you keep doing that all year. I'm, like, I'm very familiar with Steve Clark, the crew goalie who <laughs> gave up a goal to Portland essentially in the first minute of yep. MLS Cup 2015. Very familiar. Yeah. So, uh, he, yeah. So yeah. it's nice to see a goalie who seems to have all the fundamentals and can still make the super saves as well at he's it'd be weird but like it'd be kind of cool if he ended up winning mls mvp like it'll never go to a goalie but he's that good that like if philly finishes top two in the east and is maybe third in supporter shield and i don't know i guess i'm throwing a lot of ifs in here but wins u.s open cup like you could make a case that he's probably the reason why yeah if blake were american or Mexican or any of these other um, top higher higher ranked countries in CONCACAF, he would not be playing in MLS. He's no. his problem is that he he's Jamaican and it is. I don't think he has the ability to get a European passport, so it's really hard to get to play in Europe without that, especially in England. And I, there's no excuse for him still being in MLS. He is too good. He's 30 years old now which is crazy yeah. to me. He's a, he went to Yukon. He's the, uh, the epitome yeah, he's of like such a baby face. Too. Yeah. He's the epitome of like <laughs> the college system in the U S making these players who otherwise would have like fallen through the cracks. 
And then he's just been so good with, with Philly. 146 appearances with Philly. He's one of the best keepers ever in MLS. You know, it's probably Tim Howard, Brad Friedel, Casey Keller, uh, Kevin Hartman, Zach Thornton, Andre Blake is in that, that discussion now. Yeah. Even without a trophy. For sure. Um, and he has one. He has the, the uh, supporter shield from last year. Exactly. So we'll keep sticking with week one. We'll finish out the other week one games. Excuse me. Sorry. Uh, the other game we've kind of alluded to is the Minnesota-Seattle game. Um, I'm just going to start out by saying this. I sent a meme to the members of this podcast last week about Manchester United in that Manchester United is a dumpster fire in the first half. And then about eh, the 50th minute, every Manchester United fan starts screaming, Bruno, save us, save us. And then something happens and Manchester United wins. And as a Manchester United fan, we all are like, we're never going to lose again. Being a Manchester United fan is like being a Seattle fan because we are a dumpster in the first half. And then as soon as the second half starts, I think collectively all of us are like, Ladero, save us, save us. And he does. And we win. And then I'm like, we're going to win the MLS Cup. Uh, I don't think that this year, but... Um, yeah, he didn't play it next legit, year. That's, he's the Bruno Fernandez of Seattle. It's insane. Yeah. Or I guess he came first, but whatever. Um, but, you know, that first half, Seattle looked poor and then poured it on in the second half and won four to nothing um, and just kind of beat down on Minnesota. Um you know, I thought Minnesota had a couple chances in the first half. I honestly thought they should have went into half leading. Um, obviously, I think we can't talk about this game without mentioning MLS goal of the week one going to um, uh, Ja Paolo, uh, who Excellent just goal. had a banger. Um, <laughs> it's crazy to think, like, but that might actually end up being goal of the year. Like, that's how good I wouldn't was. be surprised. Which is, like, insane to say, like because that was like the first game of the MLS season. Um, yeah, I, you know, I think between this game and Minnesota's second game against RSL, um, which we'll talk more about RSL, but Minnesota's just soft. Like they look like they don't want to get into physical matches. And I think now that teams kind of have that playbook on them, I think they're going to get bullied. Um and they're definitely not the team they were last year. And this is a really weird thing to say, considering they have Alonzo, who is MLS's biggest bully. So Yeah, but he's Osvaldo he's Alonso old. is old and he is not gonna start for them. And no. When when you're essentially replacing Osvaldo Alonso with Will Trapp, I I love Will Trapp and Will Trapp is the best player of a <laughs> long ball, maybe in the world. But sorry. Will Trapp can't can't tackle to save his life. And he is not fast. He's not going to cover ground. He doesn't offer much in the final third. I mean, you're you, that's just such a drop off there. And unless you're unless you're playing him with a world beating number eight, I I don't know. I don't know what you're going to expect from him. Yeah, and this all of this uh, this is the only Seattle game we're going to be talking about this week. I'm trying to limit my Seattle discussion so as not to be a homer. Uh, we'll never limit our crew discussion because Colin <laughs> wants to be a homer. A, so. Yeah, big time. We almost <laughs> we almost lost our team. Yeah. So, uh, but I just wanted to point out that Davis wanted to say he watched both their first game and their second game against LAFC, um, and he kind of has what I have. It's 
basically what I did for the prediction for Seattle. He's like, the more I watch Seattle, the less I think of them. And it kind of ties into what we said at the beginning in that, like, if you're not super familiar with Seattle and all you ever see are their scores and their record, you would think Seattle is this awesome, possessive team who's creative and scores, but that's not who they are at all. They're a team who wants to kind of sit back, let the game come to them and create chaos. And it's weird to say my the biggest compliment to Seattle as like a fan is like, Seattle thrives in the chaos of the game. Mm-hmm. If there is chaos, Seattle is going to win. And like, I feel like saying that is like a C plus compliment to a team. <laughs> like if that's your favorite compliment for a team, like that's not a good thing. Yeah. Um, and I am going to be hard on Seattle. I expect more from them, you know, which is insane. They've been to what, four MLS cups in five years. Like yeah. why do I get to complain? But, you know, I, I would like to see them be better at, possessing and being creative and scoring goals you know where they control the game the whole game whereas like when those games come up where they're playing a lesser team and they have the ability to control the game it seems like such a struggle to score and it's like why is this more stressful than when we're playing a team who i think the roster is better and we can sit back and bunker and counterattack and be the chaos creating team and we win that game three to one and i'm not worried at all um and that's just, you know, I think if you're not familiar with Seattle, it's something you kind of have to cope with. When you want them to look awesome, they're not going to. It's the games where you expect them not to be as great that they end up showing up for. And in that match against Minnesota, most of their goals were counterattacks. Even, yep. it's not like they were really giving up many chances to Minnesota, but they, were, they weren't scoring by these long build-up plays. They were just getting the ball, attacking quickly, and being effective and efficient with their uh, with their play, it was. I think Seattle had fifty one percent of possession in that match, which is, you know, fine. Toward the end of the match, Minnesota pretty clearly gave up, so I think they just let Seattle yeah. have the ball. Yeah, for sure. And I think with that, it, it goes to what Ladero does best. You know, he is literally like, get me the ball in this kind of chaotic thing, and he finds the perfect pass. He knows how to work that. Um, he's also great in possession. I think Ladero's clearly like one of the better players in MLS. Yeah. Um, he has been for a couple years now. Um, yeah. So I just, I think we've done enough about that game. You know, I don't know what to say about Minnesota, except that I think it's going to be a long season for the loons. Yeah, it is. I, we'll, we'll see. We'll see if they can get it figured out or if they uh, just don't make the playoffs. You know, and maybe it's a thing where they're trying something and they're going to realize it's not going to work and they just use this year as a reset and kind of reset and come back stronger next season, which, like, I think will be a disappointment to a lot of Minnesota fans. Um, You know, obviously they were in the Western Conference Final last year. I think a lot of them came in with high expectations this year, but, you know, their patch fixes don't seem like they're going to hold. Agreed. long season could happen. All right, so let's move on to the final week one game we wanted to discuss, which is Miami versus the LA Galaxy. I'm going to start this by saying LA wow. Galaxy is the only 2-0 team in MLS right now. When we previewed the LA Galaxy, I posed the question that for them to win and be successful this year, Chicharito needed to get double-digit goals. And Renee, our Galaxy expert, kind of mentioned, you know, oh, they'll get goals from Pavone. 
Obviously, things have changed and Pavone's not there. Um, Chicharito has stepped up. He currently has five goals in two MLS games. He, If he can score two this weekend against Seattle, he will set the all-time MLS mark for goals in a three-game stretch at seven. Uh, currently, the record is six. So even if he scores, doesn't score, he's still tied for third in the best three goal or like start to a season. Um, we kind of talked about this a little earlier. I said I was going to allude to a player who always seems to be in the right place, kind of like Casper, and that player is Chicharito. I think if you're looking for Chicharito to uh, be kind of a dominant, you know, typical striker, that's just not who he is. He's the type of player who makes the right run and is in the right spot at the right time. I don't think he's like a hold-up striker. I'm not really sure... He's kind of more of a false nine, I guess, in a way, I, but not really. He's he's either to me. He's a he's an old school eleven. He's yeah, he's a that's poacher. Perfect. He's gonna finish chances close to the goal. He's gonna be in the right place at the right time. Not always making the right run, but if you've got someone else to take the focus, he will. He'll get motivated to to pop up where he should be. He's the Wayne Rooney. Uh, that's I mean, that's probably why he did. He didn't work in for Manchester United is because he was the same thing Wayne Rooney is. Yeah, like, I mean, fair. I'm not trying to take away from Wayne Rooney, but he's a notorious poacher. Like, he'll clean it up because he knows where to make the runs. He makes them to the right places. He picked up a lot of goals that way when Cristiano Ronaldo was taking a lot of attention or Van Persie. Um, you know, sorry, this is not an EPL. Wayne Rooney also <laughs> thought he was David Beckham, though. So I think that's why he was a little bit. Well, I, the hair plugs helped. They did. He he was just. I think he was better on the ball, and he was a better uh, yeah a better creator than Chicharito is. And Chicharito's yeah. Just, Wayne Rooney's a false nine. If if anything good has come from LA winning these two games, and I think a lot of good has obviously six points. It is that it is abundantly clear to Greg Vanny that Chicharito needs a strike partner, and you cannot play him alone in a four two three one. You can have absolutely not. You can have maybe a false a false ten there who's a de facto nine, but you cannot play him alone. And if you give him a partner, he's going to get goals for you. He might even get goals at the clip of one a game, which would be incredible. One a game is ridiculous. That's not going to yeah. happen, but, um, and Oh, go ahead. Sorry. One a game would be incredible. Yeah. That's insane. No one does that. Um, just to tie into this, uh, Renee, our partner in crime, uh, who's actually joining us right now. Perfect timing. We're talking about the galaxy. Uh, he was exactly, ex- like literally verbatim re- uh, reiterating your point that Chicharito's biggest success is that Vanny's putting up a strike partner with him. Um, and that's why he's being successful. Um, he's not necessarily admitting it. Um, with that said, you know, I'm just going to kick it to Renee so he can do his own thoughts so I don't have to do them. And I will just say right now, don't forget to hit that smash and subscribe button. So Renee, we're talking about Miami versus LA Galaxy. We are talking about the hot start that Chicharito had. Um, we're obviously happy to have you right now. Do you want any thoughts on that first game for you guys? So, Renee, we were just talking about Chicharito and the hot start to his season. Um, I know you have some thoughts. I had just reiterated the point you had sent me saying, you know, Chicharito's success has a lot to do with the dual striker. And, you know, he needs to kind of be thankful that Greg Vanny's realized that whether he wants to or not. But 
Um, outside of that thought you sent me, I'm sure you have more thoughts on the start for Chicharito. So why don't you take it away? Yeah, cool. Uh, you know, I, my my galaxy spidey senses were tingling. Um, I think Cheech has had a very interesting season so far. Obviously, it's just been two games. Um, you know, it's it's interesting, right? There there are two things, right? There's there's what Chicharito means for uh, the Galaxy, what Chicharito means for MLS, what Chicharito means for soccer in Los Angeles, right? Um, I think you have three giant Mexican stars in LA with Vela, Chicha, and um, two Saints, giant two Saints. So I think uh, it's it's four. Don't forget the other two Saints. I think we're still paying for him, but he is not there. <laughs> <laughs> But he is. Forcing to sit the bench in Mexico City. <laughs> That's right. So, um, you know, Vela has has forever taken that that mantle of being the Mexican star in in LA. So that you know, there was a lot of interesting stuff going into that, right? There's there's stuff about um, his personal life, his uh, his Instagram life, right? His social media life. It's it's, it's a it's a very interesting thing to see Chicharito. Um, be open, not only, right, there's the mental health stuff that, that, that he's talked about. There's the stuff about his losing his grandfather and what that's meant to him. Um, it's also kind of interesting how um, openly savvy he is about social media, right? He is he's very open about, like, bringing you along whatever ride he wants to do, either in social media or TikTok. So can we, that's a lot. That's a lot of yeah. chicha. But yeah, before just I get to, to even the game. Yeah. yeah, no, I think just to kind of wrap up the Chicharito discussion mm-hmm. and then we'll jump right into that week one game and probably yeah. talk a little bit about week two because they've had two interesting games. But, you know, the social media aspect of Chicharito, I think really like MLS has to be thrilled about. Um, you know, I don't know. I think Josie's had a pretty decent social media, uh, like kind of, you know, moments, but a lot of like fans are brought into the game by people being active on social media and like having that huge presence, um, and drawing fans into MLS. And I think, you know, having that kind of like figure, you know, you think baseball for a while had that void where they're like, Oh, they don't have any relatable players and everyone wanted Mike Trout to be that. And that's just not who Mike Trout is like. Mike Trout's an excellent baseball player. He just wants to have his personal life be personal and doesn't want to talk about that kind of stuff. But to have a player like Chicharito, who is, you know, a big face of international soccer, um, I think that's a fair thing to say. But to have him be open about his struggles and just be relatable in a social media way has to be a big win for MLS, has to be a big win for the Galaxy. Yeah, I think it's uh, that's a really good point. That's a really strong, solid point point um i think it also helps that the dude can speak multiple languages um and and very well right he speaks english and spanish very very well um i don't think he's he's at pep status where pep can speak like nine nine languages fluently um but but he's he's trying right so i think it it helps that he's able to reach both audiences with with one channel right i I don't know if it was uh a week or so ago right it it popped up on twitter about how like it's it's ridiculous that not all mls teams have a spanish 
Twitter handle, right? There are a few that do, but I don't think all of them do. I don't think the crew do. Yeah, right. And and yeah. right there are there are arguments about like, well, do they have a market? What is the market? Does it matter? Yada yada yada. Right. So, um, I. It's, it's I interesting, hate that right? argument, and, yeah, yeah, because like you should just be trying to grow the game regardless. Yeah. But I think you know the same argument, like, can be said. Thank God, a Twitter has a translate button. But like, <laughs> you know, we've all at times. I think you guys both are more into Liga MX than I am. But it, it's hard as someone who's not a native Spanish speaker to like follow Liga MX when all the good reporting and stuff comes in Spanish tweets, and then the translation's a little off and. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it'd be great if Liga MX, you know, kind of the same thing with English tweets, because I think there is a crossover. There are some. Yeah. There are some there's teams some. that do. Cholos yeah. has it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I think there are a few, but their following isn't isn't as 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 big. I mean, like Boca, Jun- Boca Juniors has a has an English one, right? But it, yeah. it's just yeah, it's exactly. the, the type but, of follow. But but I hear you. I, I kind I of the same hear you. point yeah. is what I'm saying yeah. is that I think both of these leagues could have a lot of crossover fans. Mm-hmm. from both sides. So, I hear you. And I think um, Chicharito has has figured it out. I mean, for everything, it, it's crazy because this dude is going into a city that has a, lo- a lot of Latin fans, has a lot of Mexican fans, but they also have a lot of American fans, right? And, and we all have been burned uh, by, by Chicharito, either as a U.S. fan or anywhere else. So, um, right, he has to walk that, that interesting flank. But, um, yeah, I think, I think it's, it's been, it's out of two games, it's, he's already surpassed what he did last year. It says both about how awful last year was and I think about how potentially successful this year can be, right? He had two goals last year and he has five goals already. Um so that that on its own is is a success. I don't know. Um, if, I don't know if I'm being a little cynical or if I'm just being a little too complimentary to Chicharito. But this has always been in his plan. This this social media thing. Like oh, for sure. Do you guys remember when he was playing with Mexico in Houston and got the JJ Watt jersey and JJ yeah. Watt comes into the Texan like comes in to say hi and Chicharito acts like he's the biggest. Houston Texans fan ever. Yeah. And maybe he is. I think he's smart enough to know that this is really going to play well. And I'm going to get fans in, in Texas. And yeah. There's elsewhere. a lot of that. There's a lot of that going on. Not only on galaxy Twitter, but I feel, I don't know. I've seen it on Twitter. I've had a conversation with, with my dad as well. Um, where it's like, it's almost, to plan, but it also it's like somewhat respectable. Totally, I, yeah. right? I mean, yeah. it's it's yeah. such a weird. And I, I'm, I, obviously, I I'm a exactly homer, right? If he yeah. was if yeah. he was at San Jose, I'd be like this freaking dirt bag, right? Well, this is the age of the professional athlete where they have to be that, though. Well, yeah, kind I, of I'm, like you, yeah, have to be that, like, yeah, lovable kind of like, yeah, you know, fake almost, but it sells, and I mean, it matters to him yeah. and. You know, if anything, I, I can appreciate, right, the Chicharito is always going to have a giant target on him, both from the league, from fans, from whatever. I think this social media presence that he is bringing upon himself, I think as a fan, I appreciate because I'm like, okay, 
he's taking it on fine great he's taking on the the la lights the la media taking it on and just effing doing it so i'll take it um that first game though was not was night and day which is re- kind of ridiculous to to think about in a span of a 90 minute game so what are your thoughts Renan? do you think he can play as a lone striker no Okay. No. No. Okay. No. Okay. No. So you're that no. Is that conversation. You're with us. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. If you watch, if you right, if you watch, I don't know if you guys were able to watch both games. Yeah. Um. Right. I've watched both games. I watched a lot of the highlights. I rewatched the first half again. Um. No. In in that first half, he's lost. Yeah. He he's he's lost, and it's and and it's it's both a service and disservice to him where. He's he's like at sometimes he reminds me up there of like a younger Robbie Keane where he's doing too much and not enough at the same time as a lone striker, um, and it's and there's just an insane switch the moment Vanny switches it up, like it's it was ridiculous. Um, so no, he he can't play by himself up there. I, and hey, you know what? Credit to him saying that that's not the case. <laughs> Credit to him. You know, fighting that narrative, pulling it back to what he thinks are the reasons why he is playing better. Um, I, I think what was interesting in that interview, and again, it goes back to his savviness, right? The, the post interview from the first game, um, you know, he was asked that question either by mm-hmm. Stu or Taylor. I don't remember who. Um, but they asked him that about, right, did, were you more successful? And he's like, no, that wasn't it. Um, but then he credited Greg without saying that was the reason why he scored and then thanked the rest of his teammates a very like you know social media 101 but hey if that's what you want to do that's what you want to do but no he he can't be a lone striker it's not gonna work i think to shift to into that that uh to discussion about that miami match that's the the night and day difference too in that la side for me was that greg vanny identified a problem and solved it as soon as he had the opportunity yeah he he came out. I don't know if if LA made the sub at the half or right after the half, but it was right after. If I'm he, he yeah, I was knew, gonna say I think it's right after. He knew they needed another striker. He did it, and and look what happened. He's now seen Chicharito score five goals from that change, more or less. And it's yeah. I mean that's that's what a good coach does. And I love like Lord Guillermo forever will crew legend, but he's just not good. He wasn't a good manager. Yeah, it's kind of it was kind of fascinating to um i know you talk about this a lot and the crew talk about this a lot with giazzi being left out to dry yeah um i'm happy that that didn't happen like immediately yeah immediately which validates i mean our first episode talks about how i thought how i felt about greg vanny and the big test that that was gonna that was gonna take i mean it validates that move like immediately totally at least for the first two games again in five weeks, I I will be, like, probably pissed to all hell, right? We have <laughs> Seattle, and then we have LAFC, and then I think we have someone else. Um, but the next two games well, are Well, you do are, play are a fifth game, so, yeah, you will have someone else. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, all right. We, oh, we have Austin. Kind of, oh, we're fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah we've awesome. been dancing around it. Let's actually talk about the game. I think we've had enough yeah. Chicharito discussion um you kind of you're, you're just lucky we... brad that i didn't talk about chicharito's friendship with uh, sergio perez in f1 
I was ready. I'm wearing. I mean, I'm wearing my McLaren, my McLaren quarter zip right now. I was like, I was wondering what you were wearing. How do I get in a Sergio Perez conversation? <laughs> we don't. This? Um, <laughs> you may be able to. The we'll see. only thing I would say is that Davis sent in comments, and I want to make sure I get to all of them because you know he's. I uh, got two young children, so he's on daddy duty. Um, so his only thing was kind of something exactly Renee touched about. You know, he had mentioned with watching the two LA Galaxy games and watching Chicharito, he said that, you know, he's finding himself enjoying watching Chicharito, and then he remembers all of the U.S. baggage <laughs> and doesn't want to like Chicharito, but does. Um, I'm the polar opposite. I don't like him from U.S.-Mexico stuff. And I hated him on United, and he's never been on a team I like except for United, and I hated him there. The only good <laughs> thing he did on United was have a ball get smashed into his face, and it went into the goal. So He's charming, uh, That's he's like, all the cheap Man, he is a social you. media darling. That's why for like 20 minutes before the last World Cup, I was like, I might try to like Mexico. Yeah. I know. No, remember. It, it's literally just because of him because he is so If you charming. can hunt down our archives, you can hear yeah. Colin <laughs> gushing over Mexico you, you know he's like, I don't him. like the U.S. anymore. Yeah. Giardo, who is a mean dude, but like... Yeah. You know who Giardo's he reminds like, me of? And again, it's my homerism because I have no choice. He reminds me of LeBron. I was going to say, he's the perfect LeBron comparison. LeBron. He reminds me of LeBron. LeBron. I've hated LeBron. I hated LeBron when he was in Cleveland. I had no reason to hate Cleveland, right? Yeah. But I hated LeBron in Cleveland. He's LeBron. I hated him when he was went to Miami. Um, and, and, and that's innate and that's innate like Kobe fandom too, right? You Obviously. it's that shit where you have to choose a side, right? So um he comes to your team and you're like, Okay, well fine. It's obviously gonna help us win a championship, so cool. But that dude is a social media genius. Yeah. Right? And Cheech is is kind of it's kind of like there it's it's kind of it's crazy it's it's crazy to think about but yeah but yeah your, that first game though he's yeah. your dickhead he's like you know <laughs> a lot of people hate Rudy Diaz and a lot of people hate Alonzo but when he's on your team you you love him when he's yeah. suddenly not on your team you you can go with the other people and be like actually I never liked him he was just my dick at the time so yeah and, of course and, I liked him in that yeah. moment <laughs> and again we'll see it we'll see you know. Especially later in the summer, uh, we'll see how how the galaxy is doing then, and how Chicharito is handling the weight of being the star in LA. There's there's a lot to to be seen still. Renee, what's your over under for goals for Chicharito? Fuck, I oh, sorry. Um, man, had you asked me at the beginning of the season, I did. Yeah, I go asked begin, you if beginning you would get of the double digits. Don't, don't think and about that. Yeah, think about <laughs> beginning of the season. I probably would have said like five or seven. Oh wow! Just, That's just because, just because I didn't think right. If you watch him last last year, and I don't watch much Toronto. I'll be very honest. I I didn't watch much Toronto. Right. I did. Um, so I did not think. I didn't think Vanny would figure it out that fast. I have no doubt in Chicharito being a, a goal scorer, but I'm also like, who's who's going to help him? Right. I, um. And, th- and this will talk about, lead into my first, the first game kind of comment, kind of interestingly, where, right, I was like, is Legette up there, like, the other striker that's going to pull people away? Like, is that enough? Um, right, because in my head, it's, it's who is going to take people away from Chicharito to allow Chicharito to breathe 
so that he doesn't collapse. Um, so I just I didn't think prior to the season that 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 would um, that he would get into double digits. I'm not gonna lie. I, I think yeah. the Vandy skepticism is fair because for years Toronto was essentially LA Galaxy East. They yeah. were they had all of the resources. So it's not like he was ever put in a position where he had to do anything, um, aside from win, which is still difficult. Winning is still not easy in MLS, and he yeah. did it. And I, I don't know. I think Vanny has uh, has gotten like an A triple plus so far in his uh, in his coaching so far this year. I mean, it's it's been two For kind sure. of close games, but it's still been two wins. Yeah, yeah. Right. I, uh, go ahead. Well, no, I was just going to try and wrap this up so we could actually talk about the games. Fine. Uh, I'll, I'll it. I can lead into the game if you want me to, because I have a comment about about yeah, Danny that goes into the game. Let's tie it into both games and discuss both yeah. LA games at, together. I think yeah, we've yeah. all watched both games, so yeah. Um, I think proceed. Yeah, I think what's interesting, and, and, I'll, and, I'll, and I'll tie it in there, I think what's interesting about the both both of the games is... Right, we talk about Vanny. I, part of the thing that, again, going to my thing, like who's going to be the guy that that distracts people enough, right? Even if there is another forward up there that can help Chicharito. In my head, it doesn't make sense. And freaking Vanny brings in Zubak. <laughs> like, so when he makes that, he makes that sub. He makes that sub, and I'm like, what? How is this going to be the thing that opens him up? And it does. Right, that's that's. It. A player like Zubak. That's all it took. I thought Zubak was the center for the Clippers. Am I thinking of someone else? <laughs> yes. No. Same guy. You're thinking of the My same bad. guy. Same guy. Right? That's all it takes. Um, I mean, that yeah. game, right, there's a lot of cool stuff going on beforehand. The Beckham finding the old uh, you know, team manager, that was really cool. It was cool to see Miami have a ton of fans, even though it gives me COVID anxiety. Um Whew. It's insane how how much better Miami looked than L.A. in that first half. It, it's night and day. And then Vanny figures it out in the second half. Um, it was cool to see old man Sasha Kleshin's mustache score a goal. Um, a great goal. A great it's goal. Short. The, it the, second half, the second half well was a lot of fun. As a, as a Galaxy fan, it felt like a massive exhale, to be honest with you. Um, not in the sense of like, holy crap, we're going to win the title. But more so of like, a, oh, we we're not terrible, right? We have the we have the potential to be okay. Um, and my thought about squeak, squeaking into the playoffs does not seem that far fetched anymore, especially after that first game. I think the second game made that a little more realistic because of the way that I think LA responded. Um, right? It was it was very very back and forth um, for a while, you know, definitely felt like they were going to lose that game. Um, and hell, hell, I mean, Chicharito stepped up and, and scored a hat trick. I mean, th- that's, that's the, that's the like, you know, story to, that's the story that, that comes out of that game. Um, there's a bunch of random VAR crap, obviously that, that went down in, in that game. But um yeah, I think I think both I think both were, were were pretty good. I think the second game says a lot too because the Galaxy was without Legette, who is supposed to be one of their other stars. Um, it, I think it says a lot to to be able to have 
Chicharito still succeed without one of the stars. So those are those are those are those are my two. And again, freaking Zubac got involved in another goal. It just blows my mind. Yeah. So for those who aren't familiar with what actually you know happened in those games, um, just to give a quick like you know statistical summary, the Galaxy won both of those games three two. Um, in both games, well, for sure in Miami, they came back, um, they were down one nothing, scored, tied it, then took a 2-1 lead, Miami tied it, and then uh, Legit, or, or no, question scored the winning goal in that game. Um, and then in the other game, I'm not sure if they came back, I can't quite recall, or if they took the early lead, but um, they also won that game 3-2. Uh, just kind of to wrap up some of these Renee thoughts, I think, you know, the big takeaway, we've talked a lot about Chicharito. Um, Colin has mentioned this too. I think the biggest takeaway has been the improvement in management uh, for the Galaxy. Yeah. Um, you know, starting 2-0, we said it at the beginning of the podcast, they're the only uh, club that's won both of their games to start the season, which I think is, you know, a testament to them. You know, you need to win games. And last year, you know, the Galaxy were not winning games against average to sub-average teams. And this year they're showing that they can do it. And I think that's going to go a long way for their push to the playoff. Um, all that said, I don't think Miami's that good. Um, I did the preview on them and thought that they were going to be an East playoff. But I also think the East is going to be pretty weak. Um, and, uh, New York is in last right now. New York Red Bulls is in last in the East. So they haven't played the stiffest competition. They've won both games three, two. So the obvious issue here is, is the defense going to hold up or are they just going to rely on winning these high scoring games? Um, you know, if they're going to win high scoring games, at least it's entertaining. Maybe as a casual fan, you want to turn in to see them, you know, win a 4-2 game or lose 3-2 or lose 2-1, you know, you're almost going to guarantee watching the Galaxy someone's going to score. They're going to score the other team. So um, those are just kind of some high-arching thoughts to keep things kind of flowing. Colin, I'd love to hear your thoughts, and we can come back to Renee because I saw him nodding along as well. Yeah, I, I want to talk a little bit about Miami because I know we've got a Miami-Philly game that I put on there that we don't necessarily yeah, have to talk about. But Miami's a, a weird team in that – I so – I know I'm, I'm a pretty big fan of women's soccer. I know most of us are here too. And because of that, I've watched a decent amount of the English women's team play in the last few years, which was coached by Phil Neville, who currently coaches Miami. And the um, overarching theme of those teams was under underperformance. Uh, you know, set up in a pretty traditional 4-2-3-1, not even doing the English 4-4-2, and just maybe getting a goal... And, and then giving up some howlers. Um, and, and I think that's kind of where Miami is now. The the goal that was, – was it Iguain who scored the first goal uh, for for Miami against the Galaxy? Or am I totally wrong there? He did score a goal against the Galaxy. He scored – it was a penalty. A PK. He scored yeah, a PK. He scores a PK. The first, the first goal was like questionably offsides. The PK was a little bit weird. Um, I just, I still don't think Miami's very good. Blaze Matuidi is practically invisible in these games. And they're paying him DP money. They shipped off their other DP to their own, like, USL team. 
So I just I just don't think they're very good, despite their result against Philly. I think that was a little bit of luck and a little bit of uh, Philly not being able to score goals. Um, Philly was also tired coming into that. Philly game. was exhausted. That was their what fifth game in three weeks or yeah. something Philly, like that. Philly was tired, so. but also Philly can't score goals. And I, I think the reason I've got that one listed is that I think this that match specifically shows a lot of Philly's weaknesses this year, but. Miami is, um, I don't think they're going to be a playoff team, but they might be close because Iguain is old. He looks old. He's, he's I mean, old in, in quotes. He's like younger than all of us. He's maybe 33, if that, which is not retirement league age. He's the same age as uh, Kareem Benzema, who's still scoring goals in the Champions League. But he's just slow. He's, he's very clearly lost a step. Uh, but having said all of that, he's still gonna gonna perform magic at least once a game. And if once a game scores you a goal every game or two, you're gonna get some wins. It's a little insane to me just on the Phil Neville thing, real quick, before I kick it to Renee. To talk, I I think know, Phil Neville's a terrible coach, though. I I want to make sure everyone in the world hears that. I think he's a terrible <laughs> coach, a bad hire, I, terrible coach. And I just he's an say, Everton guy. He's from Everton. I should like him. He's bad. Well, this is you're cutting into my point here, but um. The thing that's like absolutely insane to me is that he doesn't run a 4-4-2. When he started his career at Manchester United, he was there for 11 seasons under arguably the best 4 for 2 manager of all time, Sir Alex Ferguson. And he should know that you can line up in a 4-4-2 and it becomes fluid to how the game's playing out. You can start in a 4-4-2, not make any subs, and suddenly you have you know, a 3-5-2 or whatever you need. It's such a fluid thing, and he should know that like that's kind of an advantage of a four-four-two. And having Higuain, who's kind of an older player, you would think he would do that, you know, with Higuain's kind of what Colin has mentioned. I feel like a four-four-two would benefit him more than what they're currently doing. Um, okay, so Renee, I want to kick it to you. I know you were lauding, or kind of nodding along about kind of these overarching galaxy points of the last two games, so. Please, your thoughts. Yeah, no, I agree with all of those. Again, like I said, um, right, I I think the Miami one is, is interesting for the Galaxy um, because, as we all know, playing on the road in, in the MLS is not easy, especially when you're flying from L.A. to freaking Florida and it's a billion degrees. Um, and the majesty that's around that game. So, But I agree. I don't think Miami's that good. I don't think the Red Bulls are that great either like uh i think the next two games are are the big tests going to seattle is never easy um i know brad you are not high as high as i think the rest of us are on seattle um, well davis but even, is turning davis but even, is joining even team brad baby <laughs> even with that though right even if even if seattle was just meh i still think it would be hard and then there's an lafc game where as much as i hate them I think LAFC is still still probably the best in the West. So um, I think it'll be interesting. I think Bond is is being tested. He's had some good stuff. Definitely defense is still a problem. Maybe um, Sega Saturn Genesis Dreamcast that just got signed is going to be uh, a defensive center back. Um, but where we'll is see. Cabral? We'll see. I have no clue. What is going on? I don't on? think he... I don't, 
No clue. Yeah, I think he had to do, because uh, he's coming from Europe, doesn't he have to do a 14-day wait? Yeah, but the, that was like the, 30 days ago. Yeah, the crew, the crew, no. uh, Matan had to do the same for the crew, and he was signed after Kabul. Yeah, I have no clue. Oh, he played I don't know. in Europe. Huh. It's a okay, real, I was going to say, real, maybe uh, it's an I-9 holdup. We're, we're going to get, yeah. uh, we're gonna have to get the Ghost Rider team on this mystery. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I think we've kind of hit a lot of things with the Galaxy. Uh, they've been arguably one of the funner teams to watch so far just oh, like we I just found mentioned. out so sorry oh okay yeah, yeah. no administrative error know. administrative error in the embassy for the paperwork something yep. between the US embassy and the French embassy that sounds about Cabral right. to next week so there were okay. there were some issues with uh, Tomas Pochettino from Austin as well yep he was not MLS said you can't play him in the game that this was last week the game they won 3 to 1 against Colorado they said, you can't play him. We've got some paperwork issues. And then, like, the next day or two, they're like, oh, he's cleared. Good to go. So Weird. Similar, yeah, so he's, similar weirdo stuff. He's going to miss the LAFC game. Okay. So he'll miss, he'll miss the uh, Sounders and, and LAFC. Dang. He's young. I was kind of hoping he'd be there for, like, for the... 10 years. So yeah. Fine. So yeah. a cautious, cautiously optimistic is what I am about the Galaxy. Do the Galaxy have another East game, or is that it? I'm, I'm looking at their schedule, and I don't see another one. Uh, not for a while, I don't think, because of that. I can't remember if it's two or three total games against the other conference. I think they, I they, think I think they fight in Minnesota at some time. But Minnesota's uh, west. West. Oh, that's right. That's dumb. I agree. How dare you? I think it's. Answer. I thought it was three. Brad, because but Minnesota's like not two. in the West. No, no, they're not. not. Absolutely not. <laughs> I thought it was three, but it looks like I only see two Galaxy games against the East, and if they won both of those, that's pretty. That's a significant. Yeah. Uh, that's significant for them. Yeah. So it'll yeah definitely interesting Seattle LAFC Austin which I never want to sleep on Portland San Jose and then Seattle again I mean it's it's gonna be it's gonna be it's gonna be rough but cautiously optimistic yeah um, I think while we're still kind of talking calling you did you wrap up all your thoughts or do you want to talk more about Philly Miami. Um, I do want to mention Philly Miami. I, I think yeah. Let's let's get into it. What what I what I saw in Philly Miami was not that Miami was good. Miami took advantage, like I said. Um, they used a few, uh, <laughs> multiple Iguain magic. Um, it it was it was pretty cool for me as a Federico Iguain fan from his time with the crew to see both of them score. Um, yeah. Something we we all crew fans all sort of joked about, never thinking it would happen to see actually happen, and then for him to assist his brother and then to actually score in the same match as his brother was really kind of a cool thing for him. Um, a dude who smokes cigarettes still and drives like a Mitsubishi. Um, glad for Federico Higuain to see success. Uh, the the issue I'm seeing with um, with Philly is what we mentioned earlier, Brad, is that. They don't have someone who can score goals. Shabilko, yes, is the guy, but if he's not on, then yep. they're just going to be they're going to be a a a team that plays in two third or in in the middle third of the field and not and doesn't finish. Um, and that's that's what it was against Miami. They they were the better team, but then they gave up goals to Miami and lost. My I guess my Philly question right now is. You know, this is what we talked about at the beginning of the season. I am high on Shabelko. You're not so high on him. I still think Philly is going to be good. I, you know, Renee was the highest on them. Um, my question is, you know, 
I think it's the Aronson piece that's obviously hurting him. Obviously, we've seen him tearing it up in Europe. He's very creative, very talented. You know, the limited amount I saw of his younger brother in preseason looked like he had a lot of the same attributes, and I'm just wondering how long until he comes up. Um, he hasn't been on the bench, I don't think, yet. Um, you know, I, I just want to see what he can do, even if he just comes in as a sub. Like, I think he has a lot of, I don't think he's as talented as his brother, but I don't think, I still think he could be successful in MLS, and I think he might be a piece that could help. He's, he's um, 17, so, though. That's the big issue. He's, yeah, yeah. He's, he's, he's small. Um, yeah, he's a kid. But you, you just never know. So, um, I think, yeah, the Higuain thing is really cool for Miami. Um, they got Dos Higuain's um, scoring in that game, which was really cool. I think Miami is kind of in a place where they can't be too mad. I think, you know, if you would have told Miami that they would start 1-0-1 at the beginning of the season, they would think that they lost to Philly and beat the Galaxy. To have it just reverse but end up in the same place, like, I, I don't know if you can be mad. I think they probably would have liked to have a draw against the Galaxy, but, um, you know, I, I still think they're a bottom East team. Um, I think just because of their big name players, like, I, I think they'll be fine. Um, but I think, like you mentioned, kind of, I think Phil Neville, you're, you're right. I don't think he's the best manager. And I think that might be their downfall. Yeah. I, I, the, the galaxy are gonna, are gonna get a lot of, um, a lot of help from having one of the better managers in the West, I think. Uh, so, so, so that loss is excused, I guess, but I just, I don't see Philly, Miami making the playoffs. Philly, maybe. And Renee, Renee likes Philly, as he should. I that's, do. That's, that's a totally fair I do. Uh, I, the, think, but. the only thing that I'll add in that game against Miami, right, their biggest yeah. problem was that they couldn't finish. Yeah. Right? If that's your biggest problem and that's all you have to figure out, you're going to be fine. I, and, I, and I think... It's a big if, right? you got to figure out how to score, but... Well, yeah, we we talked about that a little bit with the crew in my and Philly game. Is that both of those teams struggled to finish? Yeah, and Philly figured it out against Atlanta. They scored yeah. three goals, and the crew figured it out against uh, a really, really good Monterey team and scored uh, two. Yeah, goals. really good Monterey team. Yeah. So yeah. I'm not yeah. gonna be too upset. I, yeah, I think Philly. I think Philly. Philly's exhausted. Um, yeah, I and totally. If, if they figure out how to finish, right, they'll, they'll be fine. Even in that Miami game, right, they looked like the better team. It's almost – I'm not going to fully say it, but it's almost like they looked – We lost you, Renee. Oh, I was like, man, that was good. That was good. Uh... <laughs> oh, that was oh, good. Gross. That, that was loud. That was – that was really good. Uh, the FCC cut me off. It's like <laughs> the FCC can't silence the me. The FCC cut me off. <laughs> no, I was gonna say um, they looked almost they they looked better in a loss against Miami than the Galaxy may have looked in a win against Miami. I think that's fair. That's a fair. Point. Wow. Uh, yeah. No. Yeah. I, I think you might be right there. Yeah, the FCC right. tried to cut me, cut me off from saying that. No, that's all I got. <laughs> that was actually Chicharito cutting you off. Uh, 
Damn, All right. He hacked me. So we got two games left. Uh, we're going to start with Vancouver, Toronto real quick, and then we'll try and tie it up with Minnesota RSL. Uh, we've been alluding to them all, all pods. So uh, I'm I very watched... excited for the RSL recap. Oh, we're going to get it. Yeah. Um, the Vancouver, I watched all of Vancouver, Toronto. Um, I have a weird interest in Vancouver because I was super high on them when I did my preview with them. Um, and I think they have started out well, um, you know, they won their first game against Portland, one nothing. Um, they scored a really good header goal and then were able to hold on. Um, and I think Portland is one of the more high octane offenses in all of MLS. So to win a game one nothing uh, is big for Vancouver. And then they followed it up with a weird game against Toronto um, that ended up being, I believe, a 2-2 draw. Let me double check to make sure I'm not going crazy, but I'm pretty sure um, that was the final for that one. Let me double check. Yeah, it was a 2-2 draw. So I think they should have won that game. Toronto kind of scored a later equalizer. Um, my biggest takeaway from this is Vancouver with a younger kind of interesting roster looks like they have kind of what Seattle does well in that they're more comfortable not possessing. Um, they looked awesome on the counter in both of those games. Uh, they have a lot of like exciting players. I think my worry with them was last year, we mentioned this already, Freddie Montero was their leading scorer last year. Um, he was either leading or second leading scorer and they just let him go so it was kind of a question of where do goals come from but um through two games they've scored three goals um you know which is a pretty good pace you know one and a half goals a game isn't terrible for mls i i think they're just going to be an interesting fun team this year i thought that game was really fun um they might have just lucked out at, and caught toronto maybe at a good time because toronto like the other CONCACAF teams uh, have played more games. Um, so, you know, maybe they lose that game otherwise. But um, I, Vancouver's never won the, like, Canadian Cup to get that automatic CONCACAF bid. It's always been Toronto or Montreal. I would love to see someone else. And um, Vancouver's just exciting. Like, they, they've they been a fun watch. Uh, that game was, like, a lot of fun to watch. Um, you know, they weren't. The other times, because they're in Cascadia, I've watched them play, you know, other games. They've kind of let teams bully them. They didn't let Michael Bradley bully them, which is what I thought was going to happen in that game. Michael Bradley's experience, he's kind of a bully. They didn't let it happen. They stepped up and were willing to fight for the game. So did either of you guys watch that game and have thoughts? I didn't, but I, I do want to make a comment about Vancouver's yeah, manager, Mark Dos Santos. He's... He's always been the next guy up for for years and years, and he finally got that Vancouver job in 2018. And he's got a lot of respect. So, you know, it's it's been a struggle for them to get to where they need to be. They've had some incredibly difficult club issues with their abuse scandal um, that's, you know, I don't know if anyone can handle that well, and they certainly didn't. But uh, now that they've kind of moved past that, I, I'm really interested to see what he's able to do there. Yeah, and I I completely agree. The abuse scandal was really bizarre and, like, definitely has had a cloud um, over that organization. So, um, 
kind of hoping that that kind of, you know, is in the past and things can move forward for them um, as an organization. But um, they have been a pretty exciting team and I'm sure we'll talk about them again because I think they're going to be involved in some fun games throughout the year. Um, I'm just looking at the time right now and it looks like we've been going for quite some time. Uh, so I know we promised we were going to get to Minnesota RSL and it was an interesting game. There was some softness there in that game, but, uh, maybe next time we'll get to more on those two teams. So I think, uh, if you guys are fine, just kind of ending it, let's wrap it yeah, up. Yeah, the They're night. kicking us out. I think we're, you know, they're kicking us out of our studio. <laughs> uh, <laughs> sorry guys. Any final thoughts from you, Renee? You want to tell anyone? Uh, hey, uh, go cats. <laughs> Um, oh. <laughs> uh, Rogers to the Raiders and uh, <laughs> go Galaxy against the Sounders. Dab. Uh, Colin, any final thoughts? Nah. I'm oh, good. wait. One more important thing. Yeah, I, yeah. I know y'all probably forgot to mention this when I was gone. Yep. Don't forget to smash that like button. <laughs> Hit that subscribe button, y'all. Don't forget to tell your friends, tell your family, tell them all. <laughs> all right. Uh, final thought from Davis was. He wanted to mention that he has thought about a lot. He does not think that Detroit deserves an MLS team. <laughs> Which is a little weird point. Oh, we weren't oh, even going to get into it. He's turned on Detroit. He's going to take turned. our reviews himself. <laughs> oh, Lord. Yeah. Um, I have no final thoughts. I uh, really appreciate everyone who's listening. Um, so that'll be it from Hello from the Offside. Thank you. Goodbye. Offside.